Okay, so, so the topic for this morning is remaining in the vine and specifically remaining in the true vine. Um, and so we're going to explore uh, John chapter 15 a little bit, um, even as we unpack that subject matter, remaining or abiding in Christ, remaining or abiding in the vine. Uh, but before we get to John chapter 15, you know, I, I got to think about, I got to, got to ask myself, you know, what, 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 what is fruitfulness all about? What, 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 what does it mean when, when, when someone says to you or, or asks me, hey Stuart, uh, I, I see you, you just come from a two hour meeting, was it fruitful? You know that I get asked that question quite a bit. Was it a fruitful meeting? Was it was it productive? Did you guys accomplish what you needed to accomplish? Were you able to achieve your goal? Were you able to overcome that obstacle, that challenge, that problem? Was your meeting fruitful? Was it productive? And I thought about it, um, and I thought about it a little bit more as well, and I and I realized that it, it's amazing that whether we in the middle of winter or whether we uh, at the beginning of spring and going into summer which we're about to do um, all year round there are some sort of fruits that are always around amen all year round so whether it's mid-june or, 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 or beginning of july if you go to fruit and veg city on the first of july i guarantee you the doors won't be closed i guarantee you that you'll be able to pick up something be it an avocado be it a peachy be it a lychee be it a nachi whatever it is you'll be able to pick up some sort of fruit all year round all year round um, and, and I thought about it and and that fascinated me as well because because I looked at that and I looked to myself as an example and I and I have to ask myself am I as a child of God being fruitful all year round now I understand fully I understand that that certain things you can't get all year round so for, for, for example you won't get avocados all year round I understand that but it doesn't change the fact that all year round you're able to get some sort of fruit that's being produced and so for us as children of God I have to ask myself and I have to have to ask you the question as well whether I meet you in the middle of spring when everything's great and everything's going well and you've just got your breakthrough and your bank balance looks really really good and really really healthy and everyone around you goes two guns in the air and everything's great and everything's fine and dandy it's easy to produce fruit right it's easy to be fruitful it's easy to be productive it's even it's easy to accomplish much when everything's going well but if I meet you in the middle of a winter season where things may not necessarily be going the way that you thought they'd be going where you may have come across a few bumps a few obstacles a few potholes in the road am I still gonna be able to say even in that winter season Numisa is still producing some type of fruit. So let's go into it. Hallelujah. John chapter 15 verse 1 to verse 11. I'm reading from the Amplified just because I like the Amplified. Amen. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. This is Jesus speaking. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. It's interesting that even being in Christ, you can be producing fruit or not producing fruit. So this is Jesus addressing us. And he says to us, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes. By the way, pruning is not a nice process. Pruning involves snipping, cutting, and exposing. There's nothing nice about going through a pruning process. But if you are a branch that's producing fruit, your reward is the Heavenly Father will come by and he'll begin to continuously prune you. So, they, so and, and there's always a purpose behind the pruning and the, and the purpose is so that it will bear more fruit even richer and finer fruit you are already clean because of the word which I have given you the teachings which I have discussed with you remain in me or abide in me and I will remain in you just as no branch 
can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine, neither can you bear fruit producing evidence of your faith. I think that's so powerful. Neither can you bear fruit producing evidence of your faith unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For otherwise, apart from me, or divorced from me, or that is cut off from the vital union with me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown out like a broken off branch and withers and dies. And they gather such branches and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. So earlier on he was saying, what you need to do is you remain in me and I'll remain in you. You keep producing fruit and my father will keep pruning you. Now he goes a step further and he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. That is, if we are vitally united and my message lives in your heart. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified and honored by this. When you bear much fruit and prove yourselves to be my true disciples. You see, producing fruit and fruitfulness represents quite a few things. I don't want you to limit yourself and think purely the fruits of the Spirit, the, the, the fruits of the Spirit. I want you to think a little bit broader than that. Producing fruit and fruitfulness represents a few things. Some of these include victory. One of our new songs that we've been singing as a band is a, a, a song by Todd Delaney which says, Victory belongs to Jesus. And the reason why we're able to walk in victory, the, the reason why we, we, we're able to produce that fruit is because victory belongs to him and we find ourselves hiding, abiding, remaining in him. And so because we remain in him and because we abide in him, victory belongs to us. We are more than conquerors. We are overcomers in Jesus Christ. We are able to defeat our Goliaths. We are able to fulfill our calling and actively use our gifts for his glory. As well as for the edification and the building up of this local assembly and the church at large. I ask you the question again that I asked in the beginning. Are you being fruitful? Regardless of what the season might be, regardless of what circumstance you might find yourself in, are you, as a child of God, as a born-again believer, are you being fruitful? Is there evidence that supports the fact that you have faith in Jesus Christ that produces this fruit that we're speaking about this morning? Producing fruit and fruitfulness represents things like life, abundance, freedom, whom the sun sets free is free indeed, joy unconfined, reproduction. You see, we don't keep this for ourselves. It's not just me, myself, and I, but we're able to reproduce. We're able to pass it on. We're able to share this good news. We're able to lift someone else up. We're able to pour of ourselves into someone else. Are you being fruitful this morning? Multiplication and restoration, answered prayers and implementing God's kingdom agenda here on earth. Are you being fruitful this morning? Amen. Jesus says he is the true vine. And the primary function of the vine is to provide nourishment from the ground, through the roots, and to the branches. That's the primary function of that vine. To provide the nourishment that's sitting somewhere in the ground. It's, it's in the soil. And it's, and it's reached the root system of that plant. But now, the, now, now there needs to be some sort of... Because there's a gap between where the branches find themselves, that's you and I, and where the nourishment in the ground, in the roots, actually is. There's now a gap between where, where our nourishment is and where we need it to be. And so Jesus says, I stand in that gap. As Jesus Christ, as the one who came down and died on the cross of Calvary, I stand and I fill that gap and I say, I'm the vine. 
I am the true vine and I bring to you everything that you need. Everything that's in the Father, I give to you. Everything that's in the Spirit, I give to you. Everything of me, I give to you. All the nourishment, all the sustenance that you need, I provide you with. I am source. I literally am your source. For every single thing that you need, the scripture says in him, to him and unto him are all things made. It all belongs to him. And he says in return, hallelujah, that because you have faith and because you believe in me, what's mine is yours. I'll give it all to you. The nourishment cannot get to the branches without the vine providing it. The vine stands in the gap, as it were, between the roots in the ground with all the nourishment and the branches that need it in order to be fruitful. In the same way, Jesus is our direct source of nourishment. Everything we need to survive and thrive and be fruitful, we find in him. A branch on its own cannot get any of the nourishment it requires to survive, to flourish, to grow, and to produce fruit. Remaining attached to the true vine means remaining attached to Jesus, which ultimately means being attached to our source. I'm not much of a farmer, I'm not much of a, of a grower of, of living things, of plants, and that type of thing. But what I do know for an absolute fact is that if you take, for example, these beautiful flowers that are here this morning, at some point in time, these are going to wilt, wither, and die. And the reason for that is they are not attached to their original source. The reason for that is at some point in time, while their roots were still uh, attached or, or, or rooted in the ground, they were receiving constant nourishment. But as things stand right now, they've been cut off. And a branch that's not attached to the true vine is not getting the nourishment and the sustenance that it needs to be able to produce fruit. And so literally, it's in a state of dying. It's literally in a state of dying. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 17, reading again from the Amplified Bible says, And he himself existed and is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I love that scripture. In him all things hold together. What he's literally saying, what he's literally saying here, Jesus is saying, we all come together here to go Christian church, to, to this local assembly. But what's holding you and me together, what's keeping us together as a local assembly, is not the praise and worship. It's not the way the ushers dress. It's not because our pastor sounds like Michael Jackson. <laughs> It's okay to laugh, amen? It's none of those things. It's not because of eloquent speech. It's not because of where we are located. It's not because we've got the sweetest spot in Centurion. The thing that's holding you and I together here in this local assembly literally is Jesus Christ. And he himself existed and is before all things. Before anything else was, he was. And in him, all things hold together. He is the controlling, cohesive force of the universe. He's the glue that keeps us together. You can't be a branch that decides one day, you know what, I feel like I've produced enough fruit. I think it's time for me to detach myself from this vine. You can't do it, but be forewarned. There is a way that seems right to man, but the end of that way is death and destruction. So it might seem at some point in time like a really good idea for you to detach yourself from the glue that holds all of us together. But at the end of that path is only death and destruction. Amen. We all know that Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. No one gets to the Father except through Jesus. I love this because literally that's exactly how the vine operates in relation to the roots, the nourishment, and, and the branches that need it. The branches don't get the nourishment they need. No one gets to the Father 
except they go through Jesus, except those branches are attached to that vine. You can try whatever you might, what, what, whatever you wish, whatever you might be able to think of. There's only one way to the Father. There aren't two roads, there aren't three avenues. There's only one way for us to have access to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and our Messiah. Amen. Outside of Christ, we are hopelessly lost, and all of our efforts to produce fruit which endures comes to an equally hopeless and dismal end when we are outside of Christ. We simply must abide in Christ if we want to live fruitful lives that bring glory to the Father. I thought about this, and it's actually quite a simple equation. In the equation of me remaining in God and God remaining in me, the challenge is with me. The challenge is with me and my ability to not be distracted by what's going on around me, to not be influenced by the situation I find myself in currently, momentarily, temporarily, but to remain in Him, regardless of what it looks like outside, regardless of how much the lights of, of the world seem to be so attractive and so tempting. The challenge is on my part in this equation. The challenge is for me to remain in Him. He's got no problem remaining with me. It's me and my flesh that wants to rise up. It's me and the battle going on in my mind that causes me to move from being in perfect alignment with him to slowly but surely, slowly but surely moving off track and finding myself detached from the vine. Stuart remaining in God equals Stuart producing much fruit. Stuart staying away from God equals Stuart producing nothing. Producing nothing. How then can I make sure that I remain in Christ? Well, according to John chapter 1 and verse 1, in the, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. And the word was God. John chapter 1 and verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. That's Jesus. The glory of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus came down from heaven to earth to show us the way. That's what the songwriter says. He came and he bled and he died. He who knew no sin took on the sins of the world so that you and I would be able to abide in him. So the word was made flesh. So if I want to abide in Christ, I need to make sure that I abide in his word. It's not negotiable. I say it's not negotiable. There's no way that I can say, you know what, I really love just, I, I love just communicating. I love just fellowshipping with Jesus. I love just basking in his presence. Oh, I love just to feel his presence flowing over me like a mighty rushing wind. And I completely ignore his word. I completely ignore his holy word. If you want to know what's on his mind and what's on his heart for you, you find it in his word. If you want to know who he is, what he likes, what he dislikes, if you really want to commune with him, if you really want to have fellowship with him, you have to look in his word. You have to abide in his word. There's no way you can say that, Stuart, you know what? I love being, I love remaining in Christ. But you know what? I'm just too busy to open up his holy word. But he understands. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. 
You can't say that you are in relationship with Jesus Christ when the book that tells you everything you need to know about who he is and what grieves his heart and what pleases him is not a priority in your life. We need to get back to the basics. If we want to remain in Christ, what we need to do is remain in his word. Psalm chapter 1, verse 2 and verse 3. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. We know the scripture of Psalm 1. Blessed, blessed is the man. Verse 2 goes on to say, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, his precepts and his teachings, he habitually meditates day and night. He habitually meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree, firmly planted and fed by streams of water, which yields its fruit. Which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. It's very, very clear. There's no way that we can say, you know what, when it comes to me, man, I'm just so fruitful. I'm just overcoming. I'm walking in victory. You know what, everywhere I go, all there is is just a manifestation of God's goodness, his fruitfulness in my life. If we aren't committedly, habitually making time to meditate on his word. Obeying his word and having his words remain in me. Obeying his commands and obeying his instructions. Praying the will of the Father by praying his word back to him. Praying the will of the Father by praying his holy word back to him. One of, one of the things I've learned um, right at the very beginning of, of this wonderful relationship with the Messiah, if you want to convince him about anything, and if you want your prayers answered, don't use your own words. If you want to have a successful prayer life, if you want victory when you pray, all, it's actually so simple. All you literally have to do is pray God's word back to him. Pray his word back to him. Lord, you said, whatsoever I ask in your name. Lord, you said, if two or three agree as touching anything on earth, then it shall be done. In Father, you said. No matter how clever, no matter how smart, no matter how smooth our words are, there'll never ever be an adequate substitute for God's holy word. And so if we want to remain in him, it behooves us to remain in his word. Proverbs chapter 7 verse 1 to verse 3. My son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Within you. Keep my commands and you will live Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Store up my commands within you. It's not just about memorizing verses of scripture. Although that's extremely good, especially when we are, when we are young in our Christian walk, and young in our experience with him. Thanks, Pastor Chase. Although it's very, very good to memorize scripture, chapter and verse, it's very, very good. But hear me this morning. Relationship goes far beyond memorizing passages of scripture. Even someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior is able to pick up a Bible and memorize John chapter 3 and verse 16. You don't have to be born again to memorize a passage of scripture. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's, it's wonderful to be able to do. It's wonderful to be able to quote that scripture off by heart. 
But what I'm really saying to you is it's better for you not to be able to know exactly where it's found. But it's so imprinted in your heart that you're able to... It's, 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 it's hidden within you. You've hidden God's word within you. You may get the verse wrong. You may, you may say chapter 1 and verse 3 when it's actually chapter, chapter 3 and verse 1. But what you know is what you know. It's, it's, it's literally been, the, the scripture says, Thy word have I hidden in my heart so that I may not sin against you. I don't know where's that found, by the way. But it's in the Bible, amen. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying? You know what? What I'm, what I'm really trying to say is let's move away from religion and let's move towards relationship. Let's move away from re religiosity, being able to quote things off by heart and have no understanding, no appreciation, no experience internally of what that verse and scripture actually means in your life. Let's move away from from mindless, uh, mindless reciting and let's really allow God's word to, to take root. And let's really move into intimate relationship with Christ. That's when we will be remaining in his word. You cannot claim to love the Lord, yet you never want to hear what he has to say when it pertains to giving you wise counsel on important life decisions. I don't know about you. I don't know who you consult when you're faced with some major life decision. Do we go left or do we go right? Do we buy or do we sell? Is now the time to start planning a family? I don't know who you consult. I don't know who you take advice from. But I personally can't claim to love him, that he's the lover of my soul. Yet when it comes to important life decisions that his word advises me on, I'd rather look to some soothsayer or some guru or some doctor on TV or some celebrity who has absolutely no relationship with Jesus Christ. Who do you look to when the rubber meets the road? Who do you turn to when you need to make a critical, life-altering decision? To whom do you look to for counsel? When we have come to the end of our rope in a specific situation, when you've come to the end of your rope in a specific situation, it's God's word that is the lamp to our feet and the light to our path. You, you've done all that you could possibly think to do. And you, you feel like you've literally reached the edge of a cliff or you've reached a cul-de-sac and there's no way forward. And all you seem to meet with is opposition. I ask you this morning, have you consulted his holy word, which is a light to your feet and a lamp to your path? Our next point, abiding in Christ makes all things possible. Abiding in Christ, remaining in him, remaining attached to the true vine, makes all things possible. Some of David's, someone of David's stature, in his own fleshly strength, could not possibly have been able to slay Goliath. Goliath was literally a giant. And David was literally a young boy. And so someone of David's physical stature, physical strength, physical ability and appearance could not possibly have been able in his own flesh and in his own strength could not possibly have been able to slay Goliath. That is and was and would have been impossible.
But the very same David, young as he was, small as he was in stature, the very same David abiding in Christ, despite his physical limitations, was a different proposition altogether. The very same David. Yet even this David abiding in Christ had to wait approximately 15 to 20 years from the time that he was anointed as king until he actually became king. But literally what abiding in Christ does is it takes what seems to be impossible and it makes it a possibility. In Genesis 41, we see someone like Joseph. We all know the story. He was despised. He was thrown into a pit. He was sold into slavery by his own brothers. He was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He was imprisoned. That very same Joseph, in his own strength, in his own flesh, in his own might, with his own intellect, could never possibly have come out of that prison situation based on his own abilities he could never possibly in his own wisdom have orchestrated his way from the prison into the palace but the very same Joseph limited as he was the very same Joseph flesh and blood like you and I abiding in Christ that very same Joseph, abiding in Christ, despite all the setbacks that he had experienced over the course of a 13-year journey, goes from the pit to the prison and from the prison to the palace. As the most powerful man in the land, as the prime minister of Egypt, he names one of his sons Ephraim, which means God has made me fruitful God has made me fruitful ordinary man just like you and me facing the same conundrums the same temptations just like you and I only flesh and blood nothing superhuman about him no extraordinary intelligence to speak of Yet, because he chose to abide in Christ, in spite of everything else that was going on around him, because he made the decision to remain in Jesus Christ, he finds himself in the palace. He finds himself as the most powerful man in the land at that time. Joseph brings prosperity to Egypt and in the process saves his family. God had given him prosperity and blessing in the land of his affliction. It's one thing for God to take you out of a situation and to then prosper you. It's one thing to take, for God to take you away from your captors and to then give you liberty, freedom, prosperity and so on. It's another thing for you to be in the land of your affliction surrounded by those who put you in that prison it's another thing to be right there surrounded by your enemies encamped all about and for God to prosper you in that situation and make you the most powerful man in the land that's what God does it sounds impossible but when we abide in Christ what seems to be impossible with man God shows us just how possible it is but only when we abide in Christ. Are you with me this morning? So where does that leave you and I? You, yes you. With your bank balance currently sitting in the red, you know what I mean. We, won't, we don't have to go into detail. You with your ailment that no medical specialist up until now has been able to successfully diagnose. Yes, you. 
You, with your teenage son who seems hell-bent on doing the exact opposite of every single thing that you ask him to do. Yes, you. I'm talking to you. You, with your back against the ropes and everyone betting against you coming out alive. You, in your own strength, the bad news is you can do nothing. In your own strength, there's nothing that you can do to turn that situation around. Unfortunately, that's the fact of the matter. The fact of the matter is that the way things are right now for you, things seem hopeless, helpless, impossible. That's a fact, Jack. That's an absolute fact. However, However, I serve a God who specializes in taking facts and submitting them under his truth. So the fact of the matter might be that things don't look too great right about now. That's a fact. But when you take God's truth of God's word and you superimpose that upon the fact of the situation that you're facing right now, God's truth supersedes whatever you're going through factually. That's the truth. Amen? Amen? So you, yes, you, with your back against the ropes. I don't know why I'm thinking of the song. He's a, he's, he's a bit of a dodgy guy. Don't judge me. <laughs> he's one of those guys that sometimes he sings really horrible stuff, and he does horrible things, but every now and again, he comes up, it's almost like he gets born again for like five, however long it takes to write that song. <laughs> I don't know what happens. I, I guess that's America. But there's a song that R. Kelly sings. <laughs> uh, guys, I, I started by saying, don't judge me. Nah. Now you guys are judging me. Nah. No, you, I don't, not that I, you, you know when you're playing, when you, like when the radio is playing. <laughs> I am a lion. I'm a hero. Deep in the jungle. With my back against the ropes. Hallelujah. <laughs> Mr. Video Guy, you'll just edit that part out now. It's fine. It's fine. No matter how I try to justify it, it's fine. We just, we, we're moving along. But you with your back against the ropes. Okay, better example. There's a Kirk Franklin song. Where? <laughs> no, there really is. No, there really is. There's a Kirk Franklin song where he's in a boxing ring and his, his opponent is himself which is actually so appropriate because we are often the ones who get in our own way. Yes. The biggest obstacle to your success, the biggest obstacle to your fruitfulness, the biggest obstacle to your victory, the biggest obstacle to your breakthrough, guess what? It's usually not the devil. Like nine times out of ten, it's us. We more than often get in our own way. We are usually the problem. And so in this song, Kirk Franklin is he's in a boxing ring and he's, 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 he's basically fighting against himself. And there's a point in the song where the music even dies down and there's like a bell that rings. And you know that, you know that slow motion where, okay, he's about to go down. This is like Rocky Three, and, you know, he's just been hit by, by Clubber Lang and he's just like, you know, and he's, he's about, and he, in fact, he hits the canvas. And like the whole mood just changes. From yeah, we're gonna do this, I'm gonna do like doof. One, two, three. And he's on the canvas. And then, you know, you know how it goes with theatrics. He then climbs his way up and just before he's about to be counted out, he, he, he gets his second wind. So I'm speaking to you this morning you feel like life has dished you so many hard knocks guys you must forgive me now i'm a musician so music when it plays you know what it's like an involuntary thing pastor tracy i don't i may not specifically like the artist but there's a song it's a hard knock life for us now i don't have the album guys i've never ever bought the cd but all i'm saying is no, literally, literally. You know you can put, you, you know what, every, almost every conversation, every sentence you have, you can literally associate it with some or other song. I don't know if you've ever realized that, right? So, so, so just forgive me. But I'm speaking to you this morning. 
You tried everything that you could possibly do. You've had your back against the rope. You feel like it's been a hard knock life. Life has dished you blow after blow after blow. And even when you are, were, were on the canvas, fists on the floor, you feel like someone came by and walked by and kicked you while you were down. I'm speaking to you this morning. If you find yourself in that situation, I'm, I'm, I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to inspire you. I'm here to motivate you. I'm here to convince you based on God's holy word. No mountain is too big. No obstacle is insurmountable. No challenge is too overwhelming. No opponent is strong enough that he can directly oppose the God that you serve. It's not about you. It's not about you. If it was you against him, he might have stood a chance. But because he who is for you is greater than he who is against you, because you've got G-O-D in your corner, and he's not just there with a spit bucket and a towel, he's actually there ready to do what he needs to do. <laughs> Guys, do you remember when WW? F, I won't say WWE, but do you remember when WWF managed to be so cool, like when The Undertaker was still young, like, um, what's the guy with the blonde hair, uh, what's his name now, Hulk, Hulk Hogan, right, I mean those, I mean those, yeah, yeah, bless you my sister, bless you, the exceeding, exceeding fruit for you, wonderful, so that time man, wrestling was cool, right, and literally, you know what the guys would do, so when there'd be a tag team match, you see the guy, now he has to hold the corner, right, he has to hold the corner before, he, he can't let go of the corner, if, his partner's in the ring and he's getting a beat down and he lets go of the ring and they do a tag. That's an illegitimate tag. So he's yeah, he's yeah, he's fresh. He's seeing his partner getting beat down, he's yeah, he's fresh. He's saying, come on boy, come on boy, just come, just come, just come. Then he goes, yeah, come on, just come, just come. Just touch my hand. Come on, brother. Come on, brother. I'm going to lay the smack down. Come on, just touch my... Literally, that's what God's doing in your corner. He's literally saying, come on, Stuart, just touch me. Just touch me. Come on, come on. He's waiting to fight on your behalf. He's waiting to jump in the ring and show the devil what's for what. Greater is he that lives inside of me than, who, than he who lives in the world. And he's greater than sickness and disease. He's greater even than death. As a matter of fact, he personally proved it by coming down, being crucified, being put in a tomb, and being resurrected once again. So he personally showed, he proved, he made it crystal clear that listen, death, hell, the grave, you have no power over those who are attached to my vine. When you see those who are attached to my vine, don't miss, don't touch, pass up, khafar, ingozi. People don't have those signs anymore, nah? I feel, like I've, I feel like I'm old because I know all of these things. Do you remember those signs that if you had a dog, even though it was a little chihuahua, Paso Khafar Ngozi. People would even put like red paint on the signs as to look like it's blood dripping, like yeah, don't even come in my yard. Now we live in the States, there's no need for Paso Khafar Ngozi. No mountain is too big. No obstacle is insurmountable. Nothing is impossible when you choose to remain and abide in Jesus Christ. If you remain in Christ, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, he will make you produce much fruit in the midst of the storm. And the devil and all your haters and all your detractors will look at you in bewilderment, totally astonished and confused to see you still standing, still smiling, still rejoicing, bigger and better than ever before. 
If you want to confuse the enemy, make a note of this. It's very simple. If you want to confuse Satan, it's very simple to confuse him because the devil is not that bright. He's not that bright. Because what he sees is he sees you going through something. He sees you going through some stuff. He sees you going through some situation, some circumstance that should, that ought to be getting you down. So he sees what you're going through at home, at work. He sees what you're going through and he can't understand why in spite of the fact that you're going through the storm that you're going through, you're still smiling, you're still praising, you still come in a church. You're going through your winter season, but you're still producing fruit. It baffles him, it confuses him, it bewilders him. When you're going through something and the winds and the waves are raging and crashing against the boat that is your life. If you really want to confuse the devil, just remain in Christ. Just remain in Christ. Because the devil's expectation is right. Now that we've hit them with cancer, for sure, absolutely, definitely, this is, this, is, this, is, this is the one. This is the knockout blow. This is the thing that's going to send Stuart right out the front door. He'll never again set his foot in any local assembly. This is the knockout blow. And here Stuart comes up the steps, 7.30 in the morning, past craft, what, what, sleeve thing that is there, and straight into the house of God. Why? Because you make a conscious decision that, Lord, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm facing, I choose to remain in you. When we look at Job and what he went through, his own wife comes to him in Job chapter 2. I apologize, I know it's Women's Month. It's just, it's, just, it's just the way that it is, right? It, it just is what it is, right? So he's going through, he's, he's been afflicted, he's been struck down. He's scraping the sores off of his body. Job who loves God. And his own wife comes to him and says, why don't you just curse God and die? In other words, why don't you just leave this God? He's obviously not working things out for your good he's obviously not doing what he's supposed to be doing he's obviously sleeping on the job otherwise you wouldn't find yourself in the situation that you're currently in why don't you just curse god and die to paraphrase and to put it simply job made a decision that no matter what was going on, no matter what it was that was going on around him, he would make a conscious choice to remain in Christ. When you remain in Christ, all things are possible. All things are reversible. What the canker worm and the palmer worm has eaten and, and chewed away is able to be restored. All things are possible. And he made a decision, you know what? Thanks, wifey, but I'm going to remain in Christ. Job knew that remaining in Christ would produce fruit and fruitfulness. And that that fruit and fruitfulness represents life, abundance, joy. All of the things that we mentioned right at the very beginning. And so after losing absolutely everything, stock, you name it, every, every single thing that he had. After reaching a point where he had been tried and tested and lost absolutely everything. I love this. The Bible reads as follows. Job chapter 42. Reading from verse 10. And then from verse 12 to verse 17. The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job 
twice as much as he had before. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. Your latter will be greater than the former. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. Speaking about productivity, reproduction. He had seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first daughter Jemima. Which sounds very American to me, but okay. And the name of the second Kezia, which is also quite common. And the name of the third Kiran, and you can say the rest. In all the land, there were found no woman so fair as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. So much he had. After this, Job lived another 140 years and saw his sons and his grandsons up to four generations. So Job, Job died an old man and full of days. Literally, Job had everything. He lost everything. He remains in Christ. He remains in God's word. And then he's rewarded with double what he had initially had at the very onset, at the very beginning. In all of this, God was glorified. I encourage you to go read the story of Job. I encourage you to go read the book of Job. We, we often think that what we're going through is like the worst thing that anyone else in the Southern Hemisphere is, is currently going through, right? Like when, you, when you're in the middle of that thing, it feels like, wow, God, why have you forsaken me? Like it feels like you are going through the worst of the worst of the worst. Like there can't possibly be anybody going through anything worse than what you're going through. I encourage you to go read the, the, the book of Job. I encourage you. It's humbling and it's inspiring and it's motivating to see that after facing so much torment, so much loss, so much personal loss, so much persecution and ridicule, so much lack of support, that he still was able to stand. And that's what the scripture says, having done all to remain standing, to remain in Christ Jesus, to remain standing on his promises, standing on his word. No matter what the circumstance looks like, I won't be influenced by what I see around me. I know what God said. Yes, it doesn't look like it right now. At the moment, it doesn't physically see, seem to be the way, that, the way that God has promised and said it would be. But I'm not influenced one iota, one inch, one little bit by what I see with my naked eye. I choose to trust his holy word. What he said to me and what I've read in his holy scripture. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. My faith causes me, propels me to believe against all odds, Mpolagashe, against all odds that God will do. Sorry guys, these things just pop into my head and then, I don't know, filter. Lord, filter me sometimes. But against all odds, we choose to remain in Jesus Christ. My next point, and I'll close with this one, because I've got two weeks, amen. <laughs> I can do nothing that will glorify, I can do nothing that will glorify God the Father if I'm outside of Christ. So I should be doing all things in Christ and as unto him. I should be doing all things in him and as unto him. All things, all things, all things. Outside of Christ, we are incapable of producing that which brings glory to his name. 
1 Peter 4 and verse 11, reading from the Amplified. Whoever speaks to the congregation is to do so as one who speaks the articles, the utterances, and the very words of God. Whoever serves the congregation is to do so as one who serves by the strength which God abundantly supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified, honored, and magnified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What I love about the scripture is the portion that says, in all things, God may be glorified. So when you're speaking, when you are uttering his words, when you are serving in the local assembly, in everything that you do in your day-to-day -day life, not only on a Sunday, but from Sunday to Sunday, week in and week out, in all things, make sure that you do them as unto Jesus Christ. I don't go to work in order to please my boss. In fact, I have a very clear understanding of who employs me. My employer's name is Jehovah Jireh. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. He is the Messiah. Amen. That was intentional. I'm a poet and I know it. He is my one and only source. Yes, every month on the 25th, without delay, the SMS goes off, followed by a bunch of other SMSs. <laughs> I don't know where those SMSs come from. I don't know who sends them. Huh? The devourer, anyway. Yes, every month on the 25th, an SMS notification goes into my bank account to let me know, hey, some funds have been deposited. Have, have been deposited. But make no mistake about it because I'm not confused about it. I have no doubt in my heart and in my mind whatsoever who provides that income. It's not my quote-unquote employer. It's not them. In fact, as a matter of fact, my, my quote-unquote employer doesn't have enough finance to sustain my needs. They actually can't meet my needs. They, they, they're not able to do so. I've, hear, me, hear me this morning. I go to work and yes, I get an SMS on the 25th, but I've got more than just financial needs. If all I had was financial needs, believe you me, I wouldn't be here this morning. God supplies not just my financial needs. When my, when my kid is sick and my, me and my wife, we're looking at each other and we, we've got no clue what to do. Do we go to Unitas or don't we go to Unitas? That's another something and a hundred rand. By the time we get there, he's just going to be running around and playing in the ward. Then the doctors look at us like, why did you bring your child here? <laughs> like really, that literally happens every single time. Like he's sick, he's got a fever. We, we give him what we think we can give him. It doesn't seem to be working. Two o'clock in the morning, we get in the car, we get to Unitas, we fill out those, those, those forms, those very nice, wonderful forms, right? And you think that by now they'd have all my information, but I fill out the forms on purpose, right? And then by the time like, we get to see the, the doctor who isn't even a GP, who isn't even a, a, a pediatrician, you know, by the time we get to see the, the GP who's not a pediatrician, Jude's like running around and like terrorizing the nurses and like laughing and f ro rolling on the floor and playing with people's drips and... <laughs> and then the people look at us like, but why are you even here? There's nothing wrong with your kid. I don't only have financial needs. I don't only need healing. I don't only need breakthrough. I've got a plethora of needs and a plethora of desires that God has placed in my heart. And there's only one source. There's only one, none other besides him. There's only one who's able to meet me at the point of each and every need, above and beyond what I expect, above and beyond what I ask, above and beyond what I can even imagine in my wildest imaginations. It's only Jesus who's able to do it. Nobody else. I know who source is. He is my one and only source. So whether I'm singing, preaching, or doing announcements, whether I'm ushering, serving communion, or teaching at Go Kids, 
whether I'm distributing buckets of hope or dignity packs, whether I'm showing up at work on time or attending all of my lectures at university, whether I'm inspiring my child's creativity or feeding his thirst for knowledge, whether I'm executing the important or the seemingly mundane in all things, not just in some things, in all things, God gets the glory. In all things, I do all things as unto him. When I daddy my son, I daddy my son as unto Jesus Christ. When I'm a husband to my one and only wife, I'm a husband to my one and only wife as unto God. When I go to work, I make sure that I get there on time. In fact, I get there early. Not because... I'm scared, intimidated, or, 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 or want to impress anybody that works in that organization. But I do it because I do it as unto my God and my King. I give plus one service, not for any other reason, but because when I give plus one service to whoever it might be, I don't even see them. I do it like I'm doing it as unto Him. In all things, I give God the glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. We leave it there this morning. Amen.